I'm Sonny Liston, I'm Jack Dempsey, there's no one like me, I'm from Nairclaw, there's no one that can match me. The upper deck hecklers have arrived. And the upper deck hecklers are back for what is another episode of no sports, really. I mean, kind of sports, but no sports. They're and yeah, they're they're picking up, but at the same time, I feel like they've been picking up now for a couple of weeks, but we've stayed in the exact same spot. Uh, but who really knows what's going to go on? Obviously, baseball is having issues. NBA, NHL, they've set potential dates, probable dates. But who really knows at this point? And I think to kind of go off that, what I want to kick off this episode with is the whole baseball situation. Because baseball really sucks. They're they're really screwing themselves up right now. Uh, I will say I have never seen a one-year period where a commissioner looks as much of a clown than Manfred has. Just from his handlings to all the cheating scandals straight into this, he has just done absolutely everything wrong it's disastrous and it's disastrous for the game of baseball in general and you touched on the cheating scandals with the astros obviously that's the huge one and that's not even mentioning the whole yankee situation that's come to light over the last couple days apparently there is a document out there that the yankees want hidden they're saying they're basically saying like, you can show it if you want, but please don't because there's damaging information in there. But we didn't treat, cheat. Just trust us. And um, obviously That's... a bad look for the Yankees. <laughs> bad look. <laughs> um, and over the that next real couple days, I, Yeah, obviously a lot of honesty involved. But over the next couple of days, I think, I think they were saying maybe the 21st or maybe even the 19th, which is today that we're recording, that these documents would be released. But who really knows, because they'll probably go and redact everything that could be useful to anyone. Pretty much. I mean, I just don't understand what's going on, especially, well, in the sports world, but then especially in baseball, just because of the total shit show that's been with the leaking the information of basically... And they're, they're arguing, I totally agree with the players, because you should be trying to play as many games as you can. From like a, this is not a medical side. This is clearly like a, a sports side in terms of just fans and stuff. You should be playing as many as you want, but obviously baseball realizes it's not profitable for the owners for those first ten games. So they're arguing about ten games right now, which is ridiculous. Uh, and I'm, I'm blaming the owners on that, not not the players, because the MLBPA is clearly in the right in all of this, which is it, tough. Yeah, it's just. Absolutely absurd to think that, uh, what is it, the June 19th? This the season could be kicked off uh, in a week or two, the, the regular season. If the owners would have handled this all correctly at the beginning, maybe they would have taken some losses this year, but this would have been the time for them to really grow the game. They would have been the first sport back, more eyes on the game. People would have seen them as kind of an escape from everything going on. So maybe it would have been a loss this year, but down the road, Maybe they would see some gains and fans, viewership, stuff like that along those lines. But now at this point, they've just gone and absolutely screwed themselves in every direction. In every direction. Yeah. See, the issue is, uh, from a business standpoint, the owners should be incurring the losses. The players shouldn't because technically they're the employees. Why why are they taking – like if your business is struggling, you wouldn't go and ask, hey – 
Tyler, you're going to finance, take a pay cut. It's, it's just, it's not what happened. And obviously that did happen with everything going on and that everyone said, hell no, like you guys screwed yourselves. And this is across basically all the economy, but why the owners think they're just untouchable with, they reap in the benefits of all the playoff money, essentially every uh-huh. year, because they're already done paying their players, paying their employees. So all that's just pure profit for them. And then mm-hmm. now they're just like, all right, well, we just enjoyed 120 years of making just straight coin. Uh, now one year of, eh, and we're just going to just try to dump it off onto you and renege on all of our, uh, like contracts and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I think is absolutely ridiculous. No, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. And it's funny. Cause I've, I've heard what you're saying and what I'm about to say a lot, but it's absolutely true. Think about it from the aspect of what if baseball was having a spectacular financial year? You think the owners would go to the players and say, hey, we're making a little extra money. You guys, here here you go. No, that would never happen. But now that they're not making a lot of money, now that finances are really bad, they're like, ah, players, we need you guys to cut back a little bit. It's just a horrible situation. And Yes, I'm 100% on the player's side. The owners can go screw off, but it's just everyone looks bad. Everyone looks bad. The game of baseball is going to be hurt by this. And what could have ultimately been a great situation for baseball has now turned into a horrible one. And this isn't even including the negotiation that's going to come up, I think, at the end of the 2020 one season. The negotiation oh, regarding it's gonna CBA be a and stuff. It's going yeah, to be a lockout. I, I would be willing to bet a lot of money that there's going to be a lockout just because of how how this was handled itself. Even if they agreed on all terms, I easily could see them just the players having a lockout just, just to give a middle finger to them because basically the owners just looked like 30 asshats yeah. collectively. And if, it's if, not yeah. good. If that happens, then... Well, based I obviously no one can really predict what's going to happen, but there will be dark days ahead for the sport. And this isn't a sports world right now where the NFL is they're obviously at the top of the mountain. You have the NBA who they continue to grow year over huge year. Strides. You have huge strides. Ratings may be down, but ratings are down everywhere. It's just the nature of how television is nowadays. Social media wise, the NBA is at the top of the game. Um and the MLB is basically right there. It's it's more popular than hockey, but it's basically right there with hockey at this point. And if they don't figure it out, they're going to... See, the gonna... problem is they're trending in different directions. Hockey has handled this situation perfectly. They're going to really kind of catapult themselves, slingshot themselves past MLB. Well, MLB has just been tanking in terms of just PR, all that kind of stuff. And even before that with baseball, you had... Yeah, the old heads and the young, the young guns, basically, fan-wise, arguing, oh, you're going to the point of, like, oh, is bat flipping, like, should be that bat flipping be allowed? Like, that's that's how it was ruining the sport, according to that. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. cl- like, clearly there's some issues among the growth and popularity of the sport already, which that's honestly the only sport I would argue that has that kind of stuff basketball might in terms of how soft fouls are getting called but that that's uh-huh. i feel like a stretch like a little bit of a reach or a stretch in terms of like because there's there's no other sport that has just pure like two-sided and like fan wise mm-hmm. 
Well, the, the thing with basketball is the old heads versus the new heads clash. Basketball is like the 90s and the thousands versus now, nowadays, yeah, which is really there's not a big gap there. In terms there. of players instead, exactly. of, instead of actions, I would argue. Yes. Maybe you could say how, quote unquote, political, but who gives a rat's ass? They're allowed their opinion as well. Uh, they're getting, but like, it's not really like disingenuous or anything like that in terms of like should they be doing it or not it's like oh are they getting too political is uh-huh. that, that's not even like an argument that's just kind of like a like a, a general question that people are asking it's not like in baseball where they're, they're just clearly trying to just piss off everyone no and like i was saying like the generation gap between the nba old heads and new heads is really not that big it's 10 15 years when it comes to baseball you're talking like old old people versus the young young people like there's 30 40 years between these people and the game has to evolve it has to find a way to grow and that's just it's not happening right now so yeah baseball it's got some issues it's got to pan out a lot of issues and that's really it's really all we can go to with that who knows in the coming years decades what will come of the sport i obviously it'll always be around but there's a couple directions they can go in. Right now, they're not going the right direction. No, Another, it's definitely a yeah. breaking point in terms of in terms of the next five years, decade. This this is what's gonna just set the next 30, 40 years in motion. I, I think without either heading in the right direction or kind of heading in the death direction, uh, it's gonna basically be impossible to reverse course for a while. Yeah, and. So kind of going off of what we were just talking about, how the NBA is trending in the right direction, the NBA seems to be handling this whole restarting the season situation in in a great way. I don't know if you've been reading into it super intently, but from what I've seen, they're basically setting up just a massive clubhouse, hangout, hotel type situation for these players. They're all going to be in the same like area. They're going to be playing games. They can go to each other's games. Um, it's basically just like a resort they're setting up and they're all just going to hang out and it sounds like just the coolest thing ever. See, so a few things on that one, I was kind of getting like a summer ball vibe in terms of like everyone is in the same area uh, and their back to back games, which I I think for playoff wise is going to be so sick. So sick. Cause it's going to feel like eighth grade travel basketball. Yes. Yes, exactly. And you like you get done playing, and then you're like you feel sick. You you're get like, oh, go watch these guys. Yeah, yes. <laughs> like, oh, I'm gonna scout out the opponents, exactly. but you don't ever actually scout out. You just roast your teammates and just do whatever eighth graders do, and it's exactly. great. <laughs> that's that's pretty much, yeah, clash clans. It's it's yeah. exactly what's gonna be going on in the NBA. Um, also, the NBA they have some super technological rings they're going to be wearing i think they're available to the public it's just the nba they those players have the money but they're basically rings that tell you like in advance if you could be contracting possible symptoms for covid so that's kind of sweet i, yeah, like I don't, it would I, have to measure the oxygen levels i i don't read anything about that but i feel like that's the only thing it could measure like that maybe temperature but yeah, who knows what the technology behind it is? I don't. I just thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. What confuses me, though, is in the memo, there was, like, lines. Basically, they're still trying to keep you social distancing at all times. 
so like they were sending like I saw I think was it Woj or someone was talking about how their favorite line was on like page 113 of the the report that the NBA sent out and they said like you weren't allowed to do doubles ping pong because you're too close to your teammate. <laughs> and so that just confused the hell out of me though, because there's just a bunch of guys just sweating on a court for two, three hours. And that doesn't count practices or anything like that. That's just strictly cross cross teams. Yeah. And uh, if they're all going to so, be quarantined together anyways. Exactly. It's like... But the thing is like, so I understand you're trying to prevent as much code. Maybe whoever's delivering the food can infect one guy that can infect another. But at the same time, it seems pretty genuous of, uh, or gen generous, not genuous. Sorry, I'm, you know, reading my business emails as I'm working, as I'm, I'm working while I'm working. A lot of big words out of you. Yeah, uh, but it seems like generous to think like, all right, that's gonna be the the stuff that really stops any spread because you still have NFL guys like what Zeke came out and had COVID. Like there's what three or four guys on the Cowboys alone that had COVID. So, yeah. like, I got to think the NBA is kind of screwed in that direction as well. well like, and I saw – yeah, well, you go on. You go on. I'll say what I was going to say. I was going to say, you had Fauci, the uh, U.S. CDC basically had, saying, like, the NFL and college basketball – or football should not happen this year if we were smart. Well, that's have, exactly that what I was saying. to yeah, yeah. NBA. Uh-huh. Well, because I think it was – Tennessee or Texas, some some school down there. I think they had like three or four guys Texas. on the football team. Texas, Texas, was it yeah, te Texas? Hmm. test positive. Yep. So that's just right right there already. We are in mid June. It, it can't be looking good for college no. football. And I hate to say, it. I hate to say it. Oh, yeah, uh, what the, they're already the first game of the season got canceled already. Not the first weekend, the first game that was supposed to kick it off. Two, two no-name schools. But it was like September 11th, September 12th, where the, okay. the, when the game was scheduled. They canceled it two weeks ago, maybe? A week? But, like, that, it shows you. Uh, like, Ohio State had people sign waivers, basically saying you can't sue us, which I think is bullshit. But uh, Well, that's, that's interesting. Because I actually heard that that's kind of the direction the world's going anyway. Like... Anywhere you go, you're going to have to sign a waiver. And I'm sure this will play a big aspect in sports, too. Basically saying you won't sue the people working there or if you're going to a stadium watching a sports game. Something along you're those lines. Stadium, it's you're, just, you're right now. It's horrible. Horrible. It's it's just a cesspool. And Iowa, for like University <laughs> of Iowa, basically got the president coming out and saying or maybe it was the A.D., saying that they are going full go. They yep. do not care what happens. They are allowing everyone to pack that fans. stadium. Yeah, exactly. Full. Ohio State said, like, all right, we're going to – because, what, they can house, like, 110 maybe, I think, K people. And they're, like, have a plan for, like, 50K. So they're going to have, like, some nonsense of what seats are available and what not to maintain social distancing. Well, I call bullshit on that itself. I would say Michigan probably had the best response. What hurts me to say is, from from an ethics standpoint, of saying like, look, if it's not safe enough for all our students to be on campus, we're not going to have the football season because it's not safe for our players. Which, again, ethically, I really agree with. But as a sports fan, it just hurts my heart to hear that. Yeah, it could be bad times ahead when it comes to football. There are going there are going to be a lot. Of very angry people. I, oh. I, it's almost going to be humorous seeing 
what goes down in the South. Because, like, you know if Alabama or those schools have to cancel, it's just going to be riots. Two things. About Bama, you mentioned. Ohio State and Bama, they announced it was yesterday or two days ago. Saw that. A home-and-home series. I'd be seeing, like, 45 years, but, like, super fun. Uh, Yeah. Second of all. yeah. No, no, you got it. You got it. Uh, my uh, my comment was just going to be I read that headline and I kind of I got the shivers a little bit because I think it was 2027, 20, 2028. 20, yep. yeah, and then I thought true. I'm going to be 30 almost then. It's disgusting. So that, when you that, think was about like, that was scary. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But yeah, that's well, all I had. This, this year, Ohio State had the best non conference game again. If you look at Ohio State's non conference from now until I think like 32, it's it's incredible. It's I'm so it's like Oregon, Oregon, Notre Dame, Notre Dame, someone, someone that's good. Then Bama, Bama, then Georgia, Georgia, home and homes for all like all across uh-huh. the board, which yeah. is so sick because like I hate Notre Dame. I hate Georgia. I hate Alabama. And so like I am so pumped. What really sucks is they're not going to be in like playoff form either team. I'd rather like much rather have him play in like November when both are out like running full cylinder. If they play the first week, it's kind of like mm, not the not the cleanest, but like still so excited. Oh yeah. And then be my a- next thing was the the SEC announcement yesterday. That was wild regarding the Mississippi. What was the SEC announcement? I don't think I did. I may Oh have. my! So they dropped a bombshell. So. Mississippi's state flag still has the Confederate flag. The com- yeah, yeah. So they announced that they will not, if the state of Mississippi doesn't change the flag to obviously non-Confederate affiliated, uh, that they will start refusing uh, any, co- any college to play, basically, in the NCAA. So they will get kicked out until the flag is changed of the conference and they won't be able to play any NCAA game. So basketball, football, across the board, no sports. Oh, the NCAA said that, or the SEC? The SEC commissioner said that. Oh. But then they basically got the blessing of the NCAA, and the amount of comments were just like, oh, that's my last game watching as an SEC fan, (laughs) were just astronomically high. And it was so funny just to read constantly. I was like, jeez. The South is going to burn this fall because you just know there's going to be a lot of COVID controversy. Well, there should be. There's going to be a lot of players kneeling oh all the, across the board, and it's going to be just heart attacks for like 65 and up. And yeah, personally, I'm going to love to see it. That's <laughs> yeah, all I'm saying. That. It's going to be it's going to be very entertaining um, because yeah, it's just it's going to be chaos. It is going to be chaos, um, and I guess. Just to kind of end out that whole segment with what's going on, that's just basically the main theme now, and that's just chaos in sports because nothing's going on and breaking points are being reached. So to look ahead to maybe some more positive possible times, let's continue our uh, our divisional breakdown series we've been doing. I think the we've got the AFC East today, which – will be good because there's been some interesting news coming out of the AFC East lately or in the last couple days. Yeah, breaking points were reached. According uh, to some players on the Jets, you know? A lot of breaking points. A lot so, of breaking points. Right, so let's, you let's here, you break down here. the predictions first. Yeah. I think Bill's up top. Okay. I, I think by a large margin. Okay. I'm thinking 
I don't think they're a 12 and four team, but I think they will go 12 and four just because of how weak their division is. I think that's where I stand. Okay. I think their division overall is relatively weak. I think the Dolphins, well, I think they're going to grow into a decent team, especially uh, probably next year. They're really going to, I feel like they could definitely be an 8-8 eight and eight team next year if they develop a lot of the talent they've had the past two years. But they're going to yeah. be, they're going to be fighting with the Patriots for bottom of the barrel. Unless the Patriots sign like Cap or Cam. I think they're just quarterback. They just don't have very much talent on the offensive side. So I think those two are going to be, like I said, the two weakest teams. And then I think the Jets are going to be a seven and nine team, maybe eight and eight. It depends on us, honestly, what Jamal Adams does. He alone, I feel like, depending on what they get for him in return, because He's going to hold out if he doesn't get a trade. That's just what the norms become now, which I don't disagree with, but that's just what the norm is now. Uh, and so if they get a player return, maybe they don't take such a hit. But I mean, if I was the Jets, I'd go draft capital, maybe and some rookies with high upsides. Uh, you know, like the Bears trading, yeah, <laughs> which doesn't make sense for the Bears, but goddamn, would it be awesome? So I'm saying the Bills are on like 12 and four, Jets seven and eight or seven and nine, eight and eight maybe, and then honestly both the Patriots and the uh, Dolphins are on like five or six and ten and eleven, uh huh, respectively. Okay, but okay. Tell me, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm very similar to you okay. in the sense that yes, I, I think. The Bills will run away with the division. I have them at 11 and 5. Um, this is bank or break year, I'd say, for Josh Allen. I think if he steps up and has the year that I think a lot of people expect him to, He's he cements himself. Yeah, he cements himself as the quarterback for the Bills going forward. But there, are, there is also the chance where he kind of he may not make that growth and I've seen that you've seen that all too well with our own team so you never really know what to say I see um hold on I gotta cut you off here just yeah good good so (laughs) regarding Josh Allen I think even if he has a mediocre year I still think he gets a relatively big contract from the Bills I think like I'm talking like a Jared Goff kind of contract with the Bills with a mediocre year. I don't think he has to have a, a, a breakout year. I think he's already shown enough flashes of his ceiling, which is a lot higher than anyone gave him credit for, basically. Uh-huh. Let's be real here. Josh Allen coming out of a, a, nobody, coming out of nowhere. Not nowhere is in, like, every, like, he wasn't predicted. It was nowhere is in nobody college. So the competition he faced wasn't that high, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I, I think he's shown enough that he's going to get a contract extension, a large one, no matter what, at the end of the season, he could have a Mitch year and still get a decently big contract. Yeah. Well, he's got good weapons. He has Stefan Diggs to work with now, John Brown, Cole Beasley losing Frank Gore, I think could hurt a little bit, even though he's old, he, he was kind of the workhorse and I think they've only got Devin single. Yeah. No, he, he's got a chance to shine this year, so it'll be interesting to see tight end, what Knox, he does. Came out of nowhere. Yeah. Really good season last year, so if he could keep any of that any of that play, I think 
they're his weapons are really good. I would compare Knox pretty similarly to Hunter Henry, uh, which obviously is a good comparison. Or a comparison if you were Knox, you'd want, I feel like. Yeah. So moral of the story there is that Bills are more than likely going to run away with this division. I've got them at 11-5. and five. Do you think they're 11-5 so or just because the conference is so weak? I think they've got the talent to be a legitimate 11-5 and five team. But it's going to depend on how they play against these other teams. Like the Jets, I pegged them at 9-7 and seven just because, in like you said, a lot of it will have to do with Jamal Adams. And I want to, yeah, we'll circle back to that after I go through this. But they've got talent. It, once again, it's going to come down to the young quarterback. And if that young quarterback steps up, has a good year, with Le'Veon, who had a horrible year, not horrible, but a very average year last year, um, they could surprise some people because uh, once again, they've got some bottom feeders that they can get some wins off of. And even then I Patriots, I still see them as possibly like a seven and nine team Really? Okay. just because I, I do just because Belichick and like we've talked about it in the past, they could go ahead and go forward with tanking, but I just don't know if they will do that. So I'm going to peg them at 7-9, and nine, obviously losing Brady. They, they lose the face of their franchise over the last 20 years, but they still got Belichick. So. My question is, like, do they – they would have to sign then a quarterback for a one-year deal. Yes. They can't, they can't give them – so that, that means Cam's off the table. And most likely – or, uh, yeah, most likely Cap's off the table as well. Then. And, and, like, what quarterback outside of those two would you feel confident in that they go 7-9? and nine? This is a general like, question. This is not like Bortles. He's no, he's already fine. Really? He's really? on the Rams. He's been on the Rams. I don't. I don't think he is. I think he is a free agent right now. What? Yeah, I know. Shocking. Although not really. I can yeah. see Blake Bortles doing well there. We could see. Um. So yeah, Patriots put them at seven and nine. Dolphins four and twelve, five and eleven. Something like that. Who knows if Tua, what they will do with him this year. Uh, but I think they got Fitzpatrick still. So yeah, they'll, uh, they'll muster out a couple wins at the very bottom of that division. But circling back around to everything, what did you say Bortles is free agent? Yeah, I like it. Yeah, 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 that's, that's what I'm saying he would to the, the Patriots. I, I, well, if the Patriots do that, I, I would up my prediction by minimum two wins. Minimum. Okay. Okay. There you go. There you so go. Instead of like three and thirteen or four, <laughs> four and five, six yeah. wins maybe. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Um, circling back to the Jamal Adams stuff, um, that could play a huge role in the Jets season. Not only the Jets season, it could play a huge role in whoever gets him because that yeah, is it, a changes absolute the NFL landscape. It just does. But the thing is, and we're gonna say this as in the NFL season is guaranteed to happen all 16 weeks so we're going to go with, with through with this that kind of in the back of our head uh, realistically Dallas is going to be the best best place for him to go in terms of that's where he wants Dallas could get up a good amount for him for the Jets all that kind of stuff they have the cap space to extend him uh, basically those are the three main points uh but what, what other teams can you see him going to? Because the Jets aren't going to trade him inside the division, so that 
automatically knocks off three teams. They're going to probably want to get them outside the AF- or like the AFC in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, so l- let's just say that cuts the team in half. <laughs> yeah, it's well, that's always the issue with these players, these disgruntled players. And he's always there's always been those relationship issues between the Jets and Adam. I think it's time that this relationship just ends because it's never going to work. I don't think like you said, there's only really half the league that is possibility for him because I don't think they'd want to trade him to the AFC. We were talking our dream situations yesterday with the Bears. <laughs> yeah, that would be so. Tough. Well, we can go into a, a few ideas, which again they don't make sense just because we just got Gibson uh, a, a stud in his own right in terms of maybe not the the ceiling, but the scheme fit he fits really well. Um, but in terms, of, I I just never understood why teams are so has. I understand maybe your division. But in the conference, I really just don't understand the, the hesitation of, of trading a player, uh, especially if, if they're the ones offering you the significantly best deal. It's that, that has always irked me, just because, what, you play them w- once a year and then maybe meet them in the playoffs. But, like, and I understand the chances of meeting them in the playoffs are higher, but what what's statistically higher compared to, let's just say they offered you three first-round picks and the next highest trade was two. Like, wouldn't you want that third first-round pick? Like, and say that that evens out the statistics of probability of winning and that kind of stuff? Yeah. No, I'd say it's a lot to do with just ego at the end of the day. They don't want to see their guy who does not want to be on the team go somewhere else and just tear it up. Um but a guy like Jamal Adams, he it's football I mean, is such a team sport. He, yeah. Yes, he is. But he's still one guy. He does have a huge impact on the defense, but yeah. still, it's one guy. If you have if you've got an opportunity to get a couple picks, get a solid player, I feel like there's just nothing that should oh. stop you from doing that, regardless of where the team is. Correct. I that that's yeah, hundred percent. There's no reason for a team if you know you're not gonna re-sign a player next year to not trade him. That that is the dumbest mistake I see every team do, including the Bears. I it bothers the hell out of me that even if you're trading a stud like Jamal Adams for a, just a fourth or fifth rounder, like you know you're not re signing him. Obviously you can get a compensatory compensatory pick. Can't speak English right now. Oh my God. Um, close. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh but so I guess that'd be a third round pick. Uh but so why would you not get like a second man? Whatever, take those those free picks out. Why would you not take a free pick? Uh, just because it just makes sense, and it really bothers me that teams don't do it, just because they think they can make a playoff run, even though like we all know the Jets roster, including the Jets players, know that their roster isn't strong enough to go win the Super Bowl, which should be the only goal. Your goal shouldn't be to get the AFC Championship or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially when you're not a team that's necessarily having a great rebuild or like a team that's trending up. The Jets are more of a team that's just kind of treading water. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It's not like having him around is doing much good. And yeah, getting rid of him could also maybe propel you a little bit towards more of a solid rebuild, 
where the Bears are in a position where if they were to go out and make these moves, and like you said, it's not really plausible because of the guy they just got. But the Bears are, and maybe this is a little optimistic, but I'd say they are on that uptick where if some things go right for them, they could be right there in that yes. Super Bowl mix. Correct. And obviously that's a lot of things going right, but basically it all stems <laughs> on one position, and that's their quarterback. And I'm not – but 50-50, like, everywhere else we're solid, position-wise. I mean, our offensive line obviously could improve. Our tight ends could improve. But our de- our defense, basically all around, studs. Our wide receiver core, I'm not going to say it's great, but it, it's, it definitely could handle themselves. Our running backs, yes. I, I think. I don't love, I don't love, I don't love our running back core. No. I'm going to say that. And that's where I think. We talk about a potential trade with Jamal Adams, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. He, he's looking for a mega deal, obviously. Uh, obviously, it would take some finessing um, from our front office in terms of probably trading Gibson. <laughs> but we get Jamal Adams, you know, and maybe we throw him like a second. And obviously, they're probably looking for firsts. But like Cohen, I think, could be a good back to, to give up. Because uh-huh. the Bears just don't use him right. The Sam Darnold probably would use him a lot more effectively. And that would allow the Jets to probably get rid of Le'Veon, which seems like they're inclined to do, especially with Le'Veon having his own issues with the front office and coaching staff. And he'd be a hell of a lot cheaper for the Jets as well. And then maybe, you know, that's not enough. Sweeten the pot. Mr. Trubisky. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Boom. Okay. Okay. Okay, I see. So, are you saying they would send Le'Veon to the Bears? No, no, no. Is that no. what you're trying to imply? Okay, because are you then? To... So you're just saying the Bears would run with Montgomery and Patterson as at the running well, back position? Never be. No, you he shut never your mouth. Be in the backfield. Shut no. your mouth. Never. He is. We have, we have arguably four, the most we have skilled. Three running backs and Patterson, and he's coming in on the third ones. Why? Why? Okay, that, yeah, I agree. Single-handedly, that, that alone pissed off half the Bears fans. Especially after Montgomery, literally, he had, what, the highest fall forward percentage in the entire NFL last year. Like, the dude just never fell backwards. He never got, like, even if he got tackled, he's always getting that extra six inches. And I just no, never understood that. So bad. So ridiculous. But you just you just really set me off on that one. No, I, I, I'd agree in that I think, aspect. I think Montgomery— I think Cordero Patterson could be utilized in a much better yeah, way. He, he should, yeah, 100%. We can go out and sign a, a cheap backup, a one-year backup. I think that'd be a perfect sign. What, they only cost $1.2 million, maybe. We, we'd be giving up more, significantly more in cap space, probably, just by Cohen alone, in terms of deals. Uh, and then— what, if we give up Mitch, we could get a one-year backup because both both Bears quarterbacks right now, Mitch and Foles, the rentals in terms of, I don't think Mitch is getting that fifth-year option with that twenty-six million dollars picked up or like right there. So let's say twenty-six million in cap space, that would free up alone Jamal Adams in terms of contract-wise. You'd also be giving up Cohen, which is probably a couple mil, uh, and then that second-round pick, and then what well, you get. And this is obviously all theoretical, but then I feel like the Bears, no matter what, are drafting a quarterback first round next year, uh, which really sucks because I think the Bears are going to be good enough to not even have a chance on 
either Fields or Lawrence, and I don't think any other quarterback in the class is deserving of a first-round pick. So they'll most likely just draft a Trubisky-esque person again, especially since the quarterback, the third quarterback being ticked uh, off the board right now is out of North Carolina. So that blows. No, yep. don't say that. Yes. It's he's, just he's across the board. He's the third ranked quarterback. So it's prophetical at this point. It, it would be poetic for them to kick Trubisky out the door and welcome in another Tar Heel. More than seven games, but that's good. That's always a good thing. Um, but, I mean, I still don't yeah. like it at all. The whole Trubisky saga has been a very emotional one for us on this podcast and for everyone. Um, so that's why I think it's probably best that I stay out of commenting on it at all right now. All right. Let me um, ask this. But, Would okay. you take a Jamal Fine. Adams or a second round – is a Bears fan, second round Cohen and Trubisky? I mean, yes, I would do it. I still – like I told you maybe last night – uh, or a couple days ago, whenever it was, I will always be on the Mitch bandwagon. I will always talk myself back into it right before the season starts. So I will always be a Mitch guy regardless. But, yes, I would still do that deal. I would, okay. I would do it. Okay. I'm so not yeah, sure I'll if the Jets do that. Work, Yeah, I don't sure know the why the Jets would want Trubisky. <laughs> I well, literally – there's that, literally... Think, think about it. You know you're not getting a player. Uh, or a uh... – you know you're not extending Jamal Adams. So you, let, let's say you get a second-round pick. You get a guy who you could easily not pick up his fifth-year option and then just re-sign him for basically a vet minimum deal, which he would take anywhere. Uh, so you have a cheap backup that he can learn the offense in. If Sam Darnold goes down, he'll have more time. They can compete because they're both younger players, so that would probably drive him a bit more in terms of compared to, like, what, Mitch had Chase Daniel behind him, and then now Nick Foles. But Nick Foles, I think, is going to take over the reins week five, week six. Uh, but all these older quarterbacks where it's not it's not as much of a fire under their ass. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't agree. get me wrong. I would love to see Mitch have a phenomenal year. I don't think he will. Actually, he would kind of kill me because he would get a contract extension, I've decided. But uh, I'm a little terrified of that. But it would be sick to see him like succeed just because it's fun to see players, especially players who struggled before, just go off. But Like you know. I said, um, I'm going to refrain from commenting at all about the Mitch situation because I've made a lot of takes in the past. I've said a lot of stupid things. And I just – I'll find myself going right down that path again. So I'm going to refrain. Um so, yeah, if football season, it's coming up, and like we said, positivity, it's going to happen. Just speak it into existence. We'll be fine. And with that, I think we've got to move to the wash week. To wrap up this episode, do you have one? Or Because off the top of the head, I have one off the top of my head right now that is just it, glaring. Man. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll talk. I'll give you a second if you need it. But Rob Manfred is my wash of the week, and yeah. it's not really close. Yeah. Yeah. He and we touched on it earlier in the episode. He is single-handedly doing absolutely everything in his power to ruin the game of baseball. And even in saying that, I don't disagree with some of the moves he wants to make, at least 
revolving around the actual game, whether it be DH, stuff like that. I don't see myself as a traditionalist. I like to maybe usher in new aspects of a game to keep it fresh. I'm all for that, whatever idea, whether it be extra inning rules, whatever. I like that stuff. But even on, even on the outside of it, with all this negotiating stuff, Manfred is really trying to kill the game of baseball. He's not really doing anything to popularize it amongst the younger populations. So, yeah, Rob he's Manfred, <laughs> he, he, yeah, he's my wash of the week, and uh, there was really no debate for me there. Yeah, so, yeah, I, hopefully I that was enough you. time. I would agree with you. Uh, he would have been mine if you did not say. But obviously you got to spice it up a little bit. I think Gundy from Oklahoma State. Mm. Uh, yeah. Again, yeah. It's a little political again, but wearing the uh, very right-wing shirt, um, posting it online, and then his players basically saying, we're not going to play until this gets addressed and change happens. Uh, but you knew immediately that the coach and Chuba Hubbard were going uh, to Chuba. Uh, we're going to have a, a video together and saying, like, all right, this is what we plan on doing. So props to Hubbard, uh, really ushering in. And I, I would argue from a college football head coach, uh, just because of the demographics of especially on who's his team, that he probably doesn't hold a lot of this. The total racist people. <laughs> yeah. But. Yes. Uh, and it was yes. ignorance on his part. Uh and so you knew change was there is going to be addressed immediately, but just that whole situation just kind of it was a powder keg in terms of not only the team but his career. Uh, yeah. So for this week, he he got to hold the uh, the silver medal for the watch of the week. Yes, and I, I'll briefly comment on saying that that was just such a dumb move on his part, and like you said with. He probably didn't intend for it to mean what it did, but it did mean that. And in it was just stupid time, all around. He just did not read the room at all. At all. Did not read the room. Did not read the room. And yeah, he, he got bashed for it, rightfully so. So with that, that those are the wash the weeks. With that is yet another episode of the Upper Deck Hecklers. We'll keep on trudging along in these sportless times, but, and I've said this at the end of the last like three or four episodes, I feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but it's not really getting any bigger right now. No. Hopefully within the next month, but there will actually be some real sports. We are closing in on the big three. So hopefully by the time three Oh three, one, three, two come around, we can actually talk about some real live sports again. That would, that That's would be nice. That would be ideal. <laughs> so yeah, it, It'll be around there. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and we will see you next time. Take care.